Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob And Jess Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the spoiler-full podcast where we do a film a week from two film geeks. This week we have me, Rob, as per usual, and also... Uh, Brady Larson, also a regular. And our special guest... Jess Dabala. Yay! And we did a 1960 film by Michael Howell. Powell. Powell. Um, of the famous Powell and Pressburger filmmaking team. Just one of them. It's like, uh, you know... It's not Simon and Garfunkel, it's Paul Simon. Exactly. And? <laughs> oh, I can hear the printer. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so that's where we start. Uh, who wants to do a plot synopsis? How in-depth is the plot synopsis? We just say what happens in the film. So it's like, scene one, they did this, and you know, what you can remember. The whole thing. I mean, I was taking notes. Yeah. So and it, you know this movie pretty well because you've seen it a couple of times. I've seen it a few times. It opens with a prostitute. And yeah, that's how you know it's a good movie. Because there's a prostitute right off the bat. <laughs> and then you see her through the lens of a camera. And then she gets killed real quick. By our main man, Mark. Who films her being killed and then he kills some more people indeed it's a great movie lots of people die yeah there's that whole character at the birthday party right where he meets her helen yeah helen is important because he doesn't want to kill her and so therefore he cannot film her he films everything he's got a fucked up childhood his dad filmed him being afraid yeah. when he was a little kid. And his dad was a psychiatrist. So he he was especially interested in the fear of children. Oh, and did you guys catch the part where the guy's buying, like, the porno pictures at the newsstand? And he, the the paper bag they put it in says educational books. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, like the br- yeah, the brown paper bag for <laughs> ladies products, the there's educational some, books paper bag for There's <laughs> some humor in this movie for sure. Yeah, for sure. It it definitely is tongue in cheek about the society we live in. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Uh so anyway, he meets her, he can't film her because um, you know, anything he films, he eventually destroys. Exactly. And uh he likes her. So He likes her. And she's got a blind mom. Yes. Who's partial to whiskey. Mm-hmm. Very partial to whiskey. And she knows something's up, right? But doesn't know what because she's blind. She has the, the intuition, though. Yeah. The insight. The instinct is what she, how she describes it. She's like, instinct is a beautiful thing, but you can't film it, can you? They set it up as a, as a dramatic irony that the person that sees him clearly is a person that cannot see. Right. So she can't yeah. actually see the content of the films. And, and like, you know, she sees them being projected but she can't see so Mm -hmm. not an issue uh yet (laughs) also what i noticed this time watching is there's the stand-in that he kills is there is a redhead 
for so he his profession is also he's the focus boy yeah. on on a film. He, he takes a measuring tape around and like does distance. Yeah, and so the second that's his second victim in the movie is um is the stand-in for the main actress, but she's also sort of a stand-in for Helen. They're all three redheads. Right. So it's sort of like, I'm going to kill this redhead instead of yeah. Helen. And it's unclear as to whether or not uh, his mom, who died when he was very young, was a redhead or not, because mm -hmm. it's black and white footage. But yeah. you kind of think maybe... He's got a thing yeah, for the redheads. Red but the heads. first, the prostitute's blonde. Right. But also red and blue. So the prostitute was wearing a blue top and a red skirt. Mm -hmm. And then when he first, or the first scene with Helen, she's wearing a red dress. Second time he sees her, she's wearing a blue dress. blue dress. And then in the final scene with Helen, it's a more muted shade yeah. of blue. Right. Her sweater. Yeah, and that was the whole thing. There was like a scene when he kills the assistant, right, after... First he kills the prostitute, then, uh, you know, the we see the uh, police investigation investigating him. Then he meets Helen at her birthday party, and she kind of takes a shine to him. Then he goes and uh, kills the understudy or... Uh, stand-in mm -hmm. lady um, and puts her in a blue trunk. Mm -hmm. And, like, the other thing is is that, like, he's so tempted, he keeps filming, like, when they discover it. Or, yeah, like, he can't help himself. Afterwards. Yeah. yeah. He's, even though he might get caught, he's still, like... Oh, filming. he films yeah. the prostitute body being carried away, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just, like, nearby, and they're like, what paper are you from? He's like, uh, paper, yeah, it's um, the Daily Mirror. Mm. Which the mirror ends up being important because... You you know how he's killing the women throughout the film, but they keep alluding to when they find the women that their faces are have like a terror look on them, and so you actually find out that he's there's a mirror set up. So as he oh and the method we should say how he kills them. Do you want to say how he kills them? I'll say it because I I uh, like this in terms of pacing. Uh, there was kind of like a three tiered information reveal. Yeah. I'd say. So yeah. the, first the first time one. with the prostitute, we just see it. We just see uh, her in the camera's crosshairs. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. The camera is a weapon, mm -hmm. uh, and that's all we see. We just see her reaction to her impending death. Right. Uh, the second time with the stand-in, we see it's revealed that he's using one of the legs of his tripod, which has a blade sheathed in it. Yeah. Uh, to stab them in the neck, mm -hmm. and by the time we get to the very end, where uh, well. <laughs> We'll just say it out of order. He kills himself uh, with his own camera. He then reveals that in addition to that blade being on the tripod, there is a, a mirror, a distorted mirror that allows the victim to see their own death as it's happening. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And at the end, he goes like, okay, well, I got to end this now. I guess I'll make my death. That he, because the, the whole thing is he's been trying to film the perfect fear. Mm -hmm. Right, and he can't just can't quite get it right, and it has to be when they're about to die. That's, yeah. that's the right time. And then he's had the idea that if they can see themselves being afraid of dying, that they'll be afraid even more. Yeah. So that's why the mirror. And uh, I think he finally realizes like the only thing that could actually be the right thing is his own death, because that's the fear that he that he's reenacting constantly. Right. Yeah, that's the completed circle of right. fear. So, my question for myself... Sorry, I was just looking at my audio and making sure I'm coming through. Oh, I'm on the other track. That's why. Um, so, uh, we want to do a How Did You Like It? Is yeah. That? Okay, cool. 
allergic to everything. Oh, I screwed up. Hold on. All right, Jess, how did you like this film? I love this movie. I think it's really underrated. Um, it was... It's sort of more of the anti-hero that you see a lot now because I think you feel for him. They... Like, I didn't want him to get caught this time. Right, I was... he's not like an evil killer. Yeah, and so I, I think I really dig... I dig that because you just, you want him to get away with it. And that wasn't usually how movies were right. as much back then. Well, especially not in America because this is 1960. So it's, it's 1960, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, it's still during code era, like tail end of code era, right? Where like bad guys had to be villainized. They had to exactly. be bad, you know? I think that's why it wasn't as popular because it makes you more voyeuristic too and you align yourself with him right. instead of... Which you could do in Britain. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because um, this kind of touches on a lot of stuff like uh, Hitchcock's film Marnie touches on, which is the idea of like post-traumatic stress and reenacting the same behavior and seeking yeah. out the same sort of incidences and stuff like that. And it's super meta because it's a film about a person who films and who works on a film, which the title of the film he's working on is The Walls Are Closing In. Wow. Yeah. So there's, I like it though. I think they earned it. I don't, and, and the stuff with him as a child, it doesn't, it's not just like, oh, fucked up childhood. Means right. He's a fucked up man. They really layer him and, but his accent sounds German to me. He doesn't sound Oh British. yeah, he is German. I, I've seen him in a few of uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender's films. Yeah, oh, he, okay. looked, he looks very German too. Yeah, he was in uh, Fox and his friends. I thought it was funny though that they're like, He's British. He's lived here his whole life, and he clearly has a German accent. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, it seemed like it was a pretty low budget film. A lot of the actors, when you look at them, they're not credited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that big. It wasn't like I'm in this film that's going to change my career. Right. However, it's highly rated just by film buffs in general. Mm -hmm. So you want to give it a letter grade? I give this an A minus. A minus. Sweet. I think it's great. All right, on to Brady. Brady, how did you like it? Oh, I'm I'm right with her. Uh, I'll just get the letter grade out of the way so I can talk about the film. I also give it an A minus. Uh, it really it had me from the beginning, and it actually grew as it went on. Uh, what I like, I, I like a lot of things. I think the visual palette is just like so rich. You just mm -hmm. want to live in it. Like this would, uh, Rob. It's funny you say it being low budget because it may have been, but. The look of the thing is just sumptuous. Oh yeah, it's, it's got a, it's got a beautiful palette. Like I, palette. I would love to see this in a movie theater, uh, and so yeah. I, what do, what did I love? Like I could list a lot of things. Uh, I I do also like that he's a nuanced, layered hero. Uh, if I'm I'll just get my one like not even criticism, but just mini quibble out of the way. Maybe the reason it's an A minus and not an A plus, uh, and this is kind of similar to a film that it bears some commonalities with, which is Psycho. Mm -hmm. uh, the one part that I didn't feel was completely necessary was the attempt to scientifically explain him. Mm. Uh, so so the stuff with the father, like it pays interesting dividends in terms of what's going on with the film. But at the same time, uh, I don't know if we necessarily needed to like have him completely be explained to explain away right. the, the neurosis, kind of the way Psycho at the end comes in and gives a monologue on why 
uh, Anthony Perkins' character is the way he is. Would but, a karma fly? Never had a fly. But that said, like not not even problematic. Just probably the least interesting part of the film. Uh, but for the most part, I thought this was great. Uh, it's scary. It's beautiful looking. Uh, it's well acted, and I actually found it really funny. Uh, yeah, you know, it's tongue in cheek. I I like the line. You know, how's being a stand-in? I'm standing it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I really like the, the scenes director. with the director. Love- <laughs> yeah, that bitch. She painted at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> she painted in the wrong scene. Yeah, no, that was really really good. Oh. Uh, I'm sure I'll get into more of it as we talk about the particular scenes. But yeah, I, I thought this was really, really great. I agree. I, I really like the movie. I really like the color palette. I like all the kind of psychological issues, which weren't really framed uh, in society around this point. Like, mm-hmm. this was not a part of psychology. And it's interesting how, like, uh, a lot of Hitchcock films, like like I said before, Marnie, and this film, you know, ver- and, you know, okay, British people, really thinking about like what creates a bad person what you know that that's a and it's interesting that filmmakers were doing it before the psychologists were and maybe the psychologists watched the movies and went oh yes that's a good point uh, maybe we should go in and then you know you get a lot of stuff with uh film theory where you know it it does go into psychology like uh, Laura Mulvey's whole thing about fetishism and you know cutting the woman into pieces with the camera going back to you know the freud freud theory about uh, men fearing seeing a woman as a whole piece because, mm. you know, that's basically a guy who's been uh, mutilated and had his dick chopped off and that vag- vagina dentate and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's two. I think that's two in a row. We've mentioned the vagina d- uh, dentate. Um, at any rate, uh, so I really like all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and give it an A-, minus, which I, I'm usually lower than everybody. I was thinking B+, plus, but as I talk about the content, yeah, it's just it just ages. Ages seconds, each second it ages even more like a fine, tasty wine. It's tasty. That a- yes, exactly. The first time I saw it was on was projected because it was in a for a film class. So That's great. It was yeah, really we cool. should maybe we should watch it on the projector, but it's daylight out. It was know. nice. Yeah, it no, was it's nice, and uh, the screen's pretty high res down mm-hmm. there. It's cozy. You yeah. got to eat steak. Yeah, steak. Yeah. Mm, steak. Mm, steak and coffee. Steak. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think the next scene, which I don't have a sting for still, <laughs> I'm going to have to record that sometime, is, uh, what's it all about? <laughs> so what's this movie all about? Uh, who wants to start? Oh, I, uh, sure, I'll go. I'll go. I mean, it, I, I don't think it even takes, uh, too much unpacking to figure out what it's about. At the same time, it's a complex film in the way that it's about this. And it's about the act of looking at things and kind of uh, because what I liked was I think the idea of the camera as a weapon and the act of looking is kind of having this buried violence in it is interesting enough by itself. And that would have made for a really good movie. But I think my one worry was going to be that, oh, is it just going to be variations on that all throughout? But it has the good humor to be about the film industry, too to be about all these different ways of looking. I, in that regard, I think adding the blind woman was really kind of a touch of genius. Yeah. And I think like her very presence raises this question of, does the very act of seeing kind of 
further remove us from what's true. Does, right. Is, is it actually a hindrance to be able to see rather than an asset? Yeah, because because now you're inter- you're ignoring your instincts, right? Because you're, yeah. it's just so black and white what you can see like up in your face. You know? Exactly. So yeah, yeah that's, that's what it's all about. It's just about all the different nuances and shades and, and variations of what it means to see. And be seen. Because NBC. Yeah. when he's talking about how his dad, his goal was to film a complete childhood, it's almost prophetic because now everybody's taking pictures and recording their children constantly. And we don't think about, like, we just amass a record of so much stuff. Like, I mean, you guys have, you know, a select amount of baby pictures, right? Like, you don't yeah. have yeah. thousands and thousands to look at. Yeah, and the largest photo archive hadn't been invented yet. Exactly. Now it has, it's Facebook. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, but I think too, it's about connection and no one really pushed for a connection with him before. And right. so he was able to remain anonymous and Helen is, she's nosy, but she's not damaged. Right. So she's curious about him and pursues him. And I mean, their connection changes him well and the whole thing is that he can't look away when he sees two people connecting right there's mm-hmm. the scene of him as a boy yeah like seeing two people expressing affections and and like he's just so interested in that but you Fascinated know his, by it. His, yeah but his dad doesn't give that to him his dad just gives him you know you're an experiment kid um and then also when he's on a date with her and he bumps into those two people and he, he sees can't them, look he's, away. he's like he's like is this what could I get that somehow? But I killed people, uh, you know, Horcrux and all. Did you guys I notice when she she kisses him and he doesn't kiss her back? But like right. after she walks kissed. away, yeah, he puts his he, lips onto, onto the, the camera, camera lens. Yeah. because that's how it's like a that's barrier. That's how he expresses love or longing or, or whatnot. It's just like it has. Yeah, it's, barrier. Yeah, exactly. it's his protective device. It's almost like an extension of his hands, like... This is how I interface with or, the world. Yeah, it's his boundary. Mm-hmm. Basically, I can I can do it from a distance, but I can't do it myself. That's mm-hmm. I need a separation. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. I, I didn't quite think of it that way. So yeah, need for affection is one thing it's about. Uh, there's also the whole thing of just like, you know, re- recreating trauma, which mm-hmm. I think I mentioned. Which is, yeah. uh, which is something that you know. I'm, I've been listening to all the classic love lines from 1996 and 97, nice. and that's something they talk about over and over and over again. When somebody's like been raped, and you know, they call in a, a, with a question about, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, how do I find out if I'm pregnant? And it's just like, and well, what it, happened? Yeah. And it's just like, well, I got really drunk at a party and I had sex with these four guys. Yeah. And, and then they go, uh huh. And what happened to you when you yeah. were younger? <laughs> right. Exactly. And then yeah, and it's just like, okay, you realize you're reenacting this trauma over and over and over again. Uh, and that's what he's doing. He was basically traumatized as, as a kid, and, and he also his whole life was recorded. Now he has to continue recording his whole life. He distances himself, like when he's talking about his mother's death, and he says, "He says she that's died. her, right? But that she has a stand-in too. That was her successor, is what right. he says." And then he says, "She goes, how long before your dad married again?" And he said, "This was taken six weeks after the previous sequence." And the previous sequence is him saying goodbye to his dying mother. Right. So it's like he's also distanced himself. Yeah, it's a sequence. From truth. His life yeah. is a film. It's not. Yeah. It's not his life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there's that, and then there's also Brady touched on the idea of like you know 
the person who can see most clearly is the person who can't see, mm-hmm. uh, which w- which is an interesting way to put it. I had another one in there, and I can't quite come up with it. It's not coming into my brain, but I do have notes. I have notes. Brady, you want to say something while I look at my notes? <laughs> Your notes? Notes. Um, no, Mr. Larson, I want you to talk. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice kinetic film. And uh, I don't know, I've got, I've got a bunch of jumbled notes here. I, there was one note I made that uh, he says, it's just my camera with me. And it almost kind of conjures this idea of the camera as an accomplice. That the camera is this person uh, that's there to right. bear witness to his crime. Well, and the fact that he knows he's committing crimes all the time, too. Yeah. He, you know, he's very aware of that. That's something... But he it, gets loose because he starts with a prostitute mm-hmm. who doesn't have a direct link to him. And That's just water. Oh, water. Water okay. in my wall. Water in the wall. Um, so he starts with a prostitute who doesn't have a direct link to him. So he's not likely to be caught. Then he moves on to someone that he works with. And then he is one-on-one with the third, with the original model that right. he was photographing. And somebody knows and that so, he's... And he like, knows that he's being followed. Yeah. He knows so, that he's being followed. And he also knows that he called the guy and said, can I take pictures of your pinup? And he's going to kill her and leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so we know who did that. We know who did that. <laughs> yep. So, it, I mean, it seemed like it was he was escalating. Well... And there's that point in time when he says, like, uh, when he's going to go on the date, he's like, um, she says, are you free tomorrow? And he says, and he said, I, I don't know if I'll be no, he here. Says, I don't know if I'll be free. I hope I'm free tomorrow night yeah. because he knows he's going to get caught. Yeah. He knows eventually, like, this is going to reach critical mass. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he has no illusions about uh, this continuing. Mm-hmm. Like, so it so it very much ties into, like, this this hasn't been going on for years and years and years. Right. He's just gotten to this point. Yeah. Like, but that's actual intimacy, though. He finally shares with Helen what he's done. Yeah, he's dropping a hint already. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that idea of, like, freedom where, like, you know... Well, I mean, he's not he's never really free, but he talks about it as if he's free mm-hmm. at the moment and then knows that, like, eventually... And then... There's a there's a thing about innocence too, right? Where like, you know, he can't uh take her because you know, she's innocent and she's she's not damaged and she's not broken, but like in doing that and in, in her being the one that he confides honestly to. Mm-hmm. Her being the one that he confides honestly to. I guess it ends with a preposition, but whatever. <laughs> um basically which is a word I wanted to stop saying as well. <laughs> um, he he damages her. He traumatizes her by the end of this series of events. And he says, like, I'm sorry. Like, your mother's right. I do have to tell somebody all of this uh, in order it's to be, be free. It's going to be you. And, yeah. it, and I'm sorry it's it's you. Right. Because, like, you know, you're, you're, the, you're the codependent, like, you know, maybe... I mean, your mother's an alcoholic and an invalid who you have to keep taking care of. Yeah. So she's probably got that codependency thing going. But, I mean, other than that, she's more or less not damaged. It well, doesn't seem like her mother's abusive to her. It's kind of like sweet, though, that she writes that children's book called The Magic Camera, and it's inspired by him. Like, so she actually the gets something, camera. you know, and they're both creating something. Right. Like both creative types. Yeah. But, I mean, that's another thing that just goes to show, like, that serious trauma that happens mm-hmm. in your life. It Basically, your life becomes about that. 
mm-hmm. and there's there's not really anything you can do and you know i think that's just that's a real strong vein in society now in times like you know i'm going to therapy and stuff now and i'm like you know the therapist is talking about all this stuff and i'm like man is everybody around me fucked up that yeah. it's like just everybody's just fucked up i think <laughs> From, that reminds me of of nabokov too the theme of recreating trauma right yeah very much nabokov yeah, I mean, I guess that's another interesting thing is there is this thread running through it of, uh, and I guess <coughs> it, it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what I was saying about the blind mother, like, is, uh, you know, is seeing actually kind of a distortion? Is is it something that can actually be inherently valuable? And you get this early scene where he's at his first photo shoot, and there are two uh, women there. And the one who's waiting her turn uh, has a hair lip, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so he's a saying, bad prosthetic. Yeah, yeah. Bad, a bad, a bad. Prosthetic. I will say that that's like the one part of the movie visually that, not that she has the hair lip, but the, the prosthetic was bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, you could totally tell it was glued <laughs> you, on. It was a different color than the rest of her face. <laughs> like, oh, that is bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, and he says. You know, I, I want to be able to fix people through my camera. I want to fix your bruises. And so there's kind of this warring instinct of can the camera actually bring good to the world? Can art actually make things more clear, more truthful, pave over uh, PTSD and past trauma? Or because of the kind of squicky implications of voyeurism, or because is it it's likely, recording it. Yeah. yeah, is it likely to worsen things? Right. It's like a hoarder. Like, I don't know if you guys watch Hoarders, but I started like (laughs) a couple weeks ago and it's amassing this collection of stuff around yourself to fill the void that exists in all of us. But some people can't stop and he can't stop with film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so far, um, well, maybe we should save this for after a game. But um, so far, we we haven't talked about the house and the house kind of Mm -hmm. acts as a character, too. Right. It's true. Because it's. You know, it's constantly listening. It's constantly uh, being reorganized with people and it. He can't leave it. And he lives upstairs, yeah. which is kind of the mind, right? Right. If it was a body. So it's sort of cerebral and mm-hmm. he's he's isolated up there. Okay, well, let's go do understudy and then, uh, then you know, we'll come back and talk more about that stuff. Okay. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay but we've got two understudies and to be honest they're probably more famous anyway so try to catch the actors try to guess the movies tweet us at c-a-r-n-y couch this game called understudy is happening 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 right now it's all part of the game it's called, mm, guess how I'm going to die? Fuck you. Uh, we already, um, hmm, we already, yeah, we played that game. You lost, remember? You gotta place it. Don't want to disappoint your dad. He's been waiting around all night. It's an easy game. We ask you a question, <laughs> and if you get it wrong, you die. And if you get it right, you die. You're crazy, both of you. The official term is psychotic. You'll never get away with this. Tell that to Cotton Weary. You wouldn't believe how easy it was to frame him. Yeah, we just watched a few movies, took a few notes. It was fun. Why did you kill my mother? Why? Why? 
Uh, did you hear that, Stu? I, I think she wants a motive. Hmm. I don't really believe in motive, Sid. I mean, uh, did Norman Bates have a motive? Nope. I mean, and, hmm, did they ever really explain why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? No, didn't think so. You see, it's, it's scarier when there's no motive, Sid. I don't understand. Well, uh, we did your mom a favor, Sid. The, the woman was a slug bat. A uh, whore who flashes shit all over town like uh, she was sharing stone or something. Oh, so we put her out of her misery. I mean, let's face it, your mama's no sharing stone. Yeah, is that uh, is that motive enough for you? Uh, or how about this? Did you uh, did you know your slut mother was sleeping with your, my dad and that the reason that my mom moved out and uh, deserted me? What? Think about it. Uh, on the off chance I get uh, caught, a motive like that could uh, divide a jury for mm, years, don't you think? You, you took my mother, so I'll take yours. Uh, big sympathy factor. M- maternal abandonment causes serious deviant behavior. It uh, certainly fucked you up and uh, made you have sex with a psychopath. <laughs> That's right. And now that you're no longer a virgin, you gotta die. Those are the rules. Uh, pretend this is just a scary movie. I mean, Sid, you... How's it going to end? This is the best part, Sid. Billy's got it all figured out. Why do you think we kept your father alive so long? Why did we save you for last? You know what time it is, Sid. It's after midnight. It's your mother's anniversary. We killed her exactly one year ago today. Really? Ready? Yeah. Jesus. Mm. (laughs) Oh, ah. Man, that hurts the most. Good one. My turn. Mm, don't forget to stay to the side and don't go too deep. Jesus, that hurt. Stop it. Get to get the ending figured out. Time's uh, running out. Come on, Sid. Think about it. Your father is the chief suspect. We cloned his cellular. The evidence is there. Mm, what if your father snapped? Your, your mother's anniversary sent him off and uh, went on a murder spree killing everyone. Oh. <laughs> Except for me and Billy. We were left for dead. Yeah, and then he killed you and, uh, and shoots himself in the head. It's a mm, perfect ending. Everyone dies but us. We get to carry on and plan the sequel. Let's face it, these days you gotta have a sequel. You mm. sick fucks. You've seen one too many movies. Mm. Oh, Sid, don't blame the movies. Uh, movies don't create cycles. Movies mm, just make cycles more creative. That's it, Billy. I can't take anymore. I'm feeling woozy. Yeah, get the gun, uh, Allen type pops. Uh, where'd you put it? Uh, it's on the table. Mm. No, it's not. Where the fuck is it? Right here, asshole. And scene. Everybody, everybody, we're back. That was an excellent round of understudy. A bit of a long one, but a, a lot of fun. Mm. <laughs> uh, so we were going to talk about the house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the cool thing about the house was that it was recording all the conversations in all the rooms, which I this fucking reminds me of an idea for a uh, restaurant I had, which would be called like the Voyeur Restaurant, where like you basically just had different rooms and uh, it would pipe in what was going on in another room. Ah. So it's just like everything was being not recorded, but sent to an, another room. So all the conversations you would overhear would be happening like across the courtyard or, or in a different room. 
Ooh, yeah, people would be into that, but people would be pissed, too. Well, I mean, it would be pretty obvious that that's what's going on, but, like, I could see, like, somebody, like, not knowing or something and then talking <laughs> shit about somebody else. Like, Becky's butt is so big. Well, oh also, my God. have you noticed how stupid people are? It would be probably terrible to overhear. I mean, I walk around with headphones in most of the time, so I don't have to listen to the things people are actually saying to each other. Yeah, I was at Santa Cruz yesterday, and there's these 20, 20 year old guys walking around. She's like, So, what's it like in your dorm room? It's like, eh, mostly me jerking off, and Jimmy jerking off, and probably a, a need. He's probably also jerking <laughs> yeah. off. And I'm like, Yeah, that sounds like 20 year olds. Yeah, that's, actually, that's not a bad conversation. <laughs> if I heard that while I was eating my french fries, I'd be pretty happy. I have to say, Rob's example of a voyeuristic conversation is bad because. Everyone knows that Becky just looks like one of those <laughs> rap guys' girlfriends. That's public knowledge. They only like her because she dresses like a total prostitute. Yeah. I said it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, man. So, anyway, the yeah, I like your idea, though, about the house, like, him living in the upstairs room in the brain. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he's basically just filling it with surrogates for things that he lost. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, his mother's Helen. room. Yeah. Helen stays in his Helen mother's stays room. In his mother's room. And she's like a surrogate for, for that. And then there's like the guy downstairs. who's kind of like silently judging him. Although yeah. he doesn't really say anything. So that's kind of like his father. Yeah. Just like not actually. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess the only thing that we know that his father said to him at one point in time was like whispering to him, like, uh, or no, he, that was him whispering. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we like we don't even know that his father even talked to him. Or yeah. Just, like, kind of just he just kind of fucked with him and moved and recorded it. Oh, but he's almost proud of his father too. Like when he meets the other psychologist that's on set to kind of watch and see if if he sees anything suspicious, he goes, "Oh, my dad was you know such and such. Do you know who that is?" And he's proud, you know. Yeah. His father's like the paragon example of what he's kind of. Yeah, yeah, your father was. Well, no, that's not the right voice. But, but the guy, <laughs> the guy's like really like, just kind of like, ooh, ooh yeah, your father was a brilliant man. He was yeah. a great guy. Yeah, great guy. He was a great guy. He lectured me. Brilliant man. Oh, and that's some dramatic irony too. That he's he talks to the investigators and he's like, you don't think it's that guy, do you? Like, of course it's not that yeah, guy. It's not that guy. His, his father was a brilliant man. It reminds me of the yeah. labyrinth. Uh, if he'd gone that way, he would have gone straight into that castle. <laughs> <laughs> ah, brilliant man. Yes, always shooting up uh, cocaine in between his toes. That was the only veins he had that weren't collapsed. Brilliant man, brilliant man. Up all night, all night, every night. And opium to calm him down. Oh, so. <laughs> How about, can we talk about the cinematography? There's so many shots that I love in this. So yeah, many cool just shots. Yeah, the, the one crosshair of, shots. Like talking cool. about, uh, you know, cocaine psychologist there. Uh, there's a shot involving him and some of the other film crew where I think it's just them filming one of the scenes on the set. But you've got kind of this a tableau might be a bit much, but you've got multiple people in the frame who are watching. And then the uh, psychiatrist who's on the elevated scaffold, mm-hmm. the elevated scaffold comes down mm-hmm. into the frame. Uh, no one can see my hand doing the down. <laughs> yeah, it's good going pod. down. Good pod, Brady, good yeah. It's just this cool <laughs> image of like, and one more person joining the circle of voyeurs. Yeah. Uh, so just, and I love the way the film set looks. Like there's a really cool overhead shot where each kind of section of it is bathed in its own pool of light. Mm-hmm. It's almost like each one is a separate little bubble of color. Uh, 
Yeah, just great cinematography. Yeah, in this. I'm, the lighting. And, I'm going to reach here, but this is something I picked up. Is His name cars? is Mark, which is what you have to stand on oh, yeah. when you're filming something. Ah. What? Oh, Mark. <laughs> you're, just, you're just that guy who stands there, Mark, aren't you? You, you can't even deal with yourself, draws, Mark. He... You have to sit there and stand on that Mark there, Mark. He was disappointed, though, in the in the stand-in that yeah. he killed. He was like, he didn't like the shot he got. That's why he had to kill another person. Well, yeah, and there's also that thing about the colors in that scene, mm -hmm. too. Because, like, you know, there's a white trunk and a red trunk and a blah, blue, blah, blah. And a blue trunk, yeah. Yeah, and she's in the blue trunk and whatever. And they try to do it later with the hat. And yeah. then you had the thing about the, the dress. Uh-huh. The red the dress. dresses. Well, it was kind of orange. It right. reminded me of Ellen Burstein, uh, her whole outfit, like, with the, you know, almost halogen orange uh, yeah. dress and, like, the fiery red hair, like, looked like Ellen Burstein in uh, Requiem for a Dream. I wonder if Aronofsky was maybe playing off something like that. Something. Yeah, especially since, like, you know, he, he does all the little snippets with the eye. Yeah, there's a lot of eyes. Yeah, and so, I mean, yeah, Aronofsky might have been pulling a little you, bit from that. Did you catch the part where uh, the psychiatrist was said that he had his father's eyes? No, but obviously he does. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean... Because his father gave him to him by fucking with him. Yeah, but it's like that's how it's important. Yeah. Seeing eyes. Seeing eyes. Seeing, seeing, an, seeing eyes. eye, Mark. We all seeing Oh, Mark, eye. you're just seeing for that old lady, aren't you, Mark? <laughs> yeah, and then and even one of the, like, the first or one of the first things we see in the film is just like this eye opening, like, <gasps> like it's coming to life. Right. Mm -hmm. this... And I love how the mirror that like the terrifying mirror, like distorts the thing. Oh yeah. That looks so cool. Yeah. That, Cause yeah, it does look terrifying. It's not just seeing your own death, but kind of like kind of visually, this film is great because it visually supports its ideas. I think. Yeah. You know, and that's like the mark of a great film when you not only have smart things going on upstairs, but you find interesting ways to visually represent them. And so, yeah, this just this distorted image that they have to watch while they're watching their death is just so uh, chilling, really. Well, what you were saying earlier about the revealing of the information and the way it's given to you, I really love that. The first time I saw it, I, I was like, well, we already know who the killer is. So there's not that sense of mystery. Right. So I was actually really surprised the first time I saw it that that was the big reveal at the end is that he was making them watch themselves the whole time. And I thought it was so well done and put in there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Let me see. I was starting to think uh, when you said that I was thinking about um, The Haunting, which we did a few weeks ago. Have you seen mm -hmm. that? Uh I oh the one where the, the original one from way like, oh I don't the, think I've seen the original one isn't it just like she was molested and then that's the big no it wasn't I, I mean it's just like they go to a house that's haunted and okay oh okay blah, blah, I know blah, which one you're talking about yeah, yeah. where there is it the one they where they have to stay there Lopez. yeah yeah and they get money well they're just all into figuring out what's up with this house oh pretty much is it was it Vincent Price the original one no it was a bunch of. Mostly TV it? actors in Britain. Oh, okay. Then I don't. British TV I, I actors. I haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, but they remade it with Jayla. But anyway, like, there's a lot of um, when we watched it. Like, we watched it with our, our good friend Brian Chunk Bauer, mm -hmm. and um, he was going like, there was no horror moviness to it. I'm like, well, the way they did horror movies back then was they didn't 
you know, the, things in it jump out at you, right. things in it scare you. It's just kind of like the long, suspenseful thing. And that's how this was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not ready for that. But there was that, action. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was. But I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, it was like, it was like, we're just going to hold this shot really slowly and long and uncomfortable. And it's, that's it's not, creepy, though. It, it's creepier. It's, it's better. You have to, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because you have to stay with it in a different way. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like when action movies use a lot of like quick cuts to make you feel like adrenaline. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's like a car commercial or something. But then that's why Drive was so cool. I know we're not talking about Drive, but no, they you, did you so many drive. long shots. You get on a Drive Jag. Of, of violence. Yeah. So violent moments that you're just watching unfold and not being jammed around yeah. in 20 different angles and you have to sit with it and watch it and it's uncomfortable. That's, and I think that's That's the kind of a part. trope of Japanese uh, mm-hmm. horror films or Japanese films in general where it's like, you know, uh, my friend Zen, I, you might know him actually, but uh, he shot one uh, when we were in like film school at DVC or something mm-hmm. like that. And like at the, you know, at the end he's killing her and he just like, basically they just, he just stays for far too long on this guy's face, just like laughing maniacally. And you're just like, that is so much creepier yeah, than, than the actually actual... showing him strangling the girl, just yeah. the first person of him going, ah! Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm creeped out now. Yeah, yeah just watching that. <laughs> just watching me. Just watching you just laugh like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could do that sonically. We could just have you laugh for like thirty. That minutes. would be good. <laughs> Make that our drop. Oh no! I don't think I'll ever be able to unsee that. <laughs> no, like Jess is like, I, I will never look you in the eye again. <laughs> um, was uh, there was a thing? There was another thing. I was, uh, let's go do Metacritical. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We we've covered a lot of ground, I think, so we can have final points after that mm-hmm. because we're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna get into. Deeper. I think we got as deep as we can. I think we got pretty deep with it. Yeah, let's do Metacritical. Okay. Metacritical. Rob's never gonna win. Metacritical. Brady's the victor again. So it's time to play. I'm gonna lose today. Metacritical. Yeah, it's time. Okay, it's time for our game of week. Uh, we're doing Metacritical this time. Yep. And uh, let me see. This is how this works, Jess. It's basically Brady has selected uh, five movies. Uh-huh. And we're going to go around and try and guess the Metacritic score for each one. Okay. And then, you know, if you're like five off, that's really good. Okay. If you're like dead on, you get uh, an extra five point deduction. Because okay. the whole point is to be the least total number off. Okay, it's like golf. Yeah. You want to have a low score. Exactly. Get okay. as close to the the score as you can and mm-hmm. you know, negative one is a birdie. I mean negative one is a bogey. And yeah, you can just get more and more bogeys. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah, know you much can about really, golf. You can get a par. Yeah, you can get a par. You can't get a birdie. You can't get an eagle. You can't get a double eagle. No. You can't get a triple eagle. You can't get <laughs> hardly anything. You can just get a par. That's you, the you best you nothing. can do. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> I picked five films this year, this time, this year. Um, <laughs> I picked five films where the camera plays an important role. A few of them are uh, disturbing 
uh, either scary or psychologically unsettling movies. Two of them are more not that. But anyway, let's do it. The first one is One Hour Photo, starring Robin Williams. Ah, yes. Uh, one Hour Photo is a bad movie, so I'm going to start here and go with like 32. Oh, it's, it's 0 to 100. Okay, These are yeah. the critics, right? right not right, the right. audience. Right. Okay. Um, let's go 28. I don't think it was seen as that bad, was it? Uh, oh, it was a fucking flop. <laughs> I never saw it, but... That was probably Robin Williams' worst. No, RV. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> RV was his low point. I love Robin Williams, by the way. Me not too. trying to talk shit. And yeah, every, oh, yeah. Every time I, I see him on screen now, I just like burst into tears. I, I had to leave Louis my episode. work yeah. early. Yeah. Because when, yeah. Anyways. I saw that Louis episode. I don't know why. Like, I, this has come up on this podcast yeah. like four or five times, but it's, I think it's just childhood and you just go like, that's my chat. Like, I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. And also like those, I mean, my dad and I bonded over so many of his movies too. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be it. But I mean like, mm-hmm. yeah. and then just the sadness surrounding the event. <laughs> I, I have an embarrassing one year dating anniversary story with Robin Williams. Yes. Tess, Tess and I went to Santa Cruz and we, we day drank. Uh, we karaoke, but day we, drinking. What's that? We, <laughs> Wait, no, explain that. What? For dramatic irony, Rob is, is taking a sip uh, of his Sierra Nevada right now. And so we day drank, so we only ended up karaoke for like 30 minutes. And we were just like, no, we can't. It's 6.30 and we want to go to sleep. So we went back to the hotel and Tess passes out. And I end up watching Mrs. Doubtfire and I'm like <laughs> blubbering through the entire <laughs> That's and a great one-year anniversary. Was, yeah, really... With pathetic. the Chris Columbus soundtrack, like that's yeah, just, just having like, drunken sleep to Chris Columbus music. I'm I'm not even a child of divorce. Like they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be okay. Um, which I'm sure is what will happen when I see one hour photo, which I think is like a sixty-three. Sixty-three. Right. Whoa. Movie's real score is sixty-four. Ah. What? Really? Yeah, I know. I thought it was bad. Yeah, like bad. I thought it was pretty widely regarded. This is why Brady wins at this game every Fuck, fucking man. time. I think he's cheating. There's no way. Yeah, he did pick the 63? movie. 63? 63? There needs to be checks and balances here. Well, he hasn't seen it. So I, mean, oh. I haven't I seen mean, it. But, but I remember this was like during his insomnia period where people were like, oh, yeah, go Robin Williams. You're being a menacing guy in movies now. That's different. Yeah, well, what's his... Good, I mean, good, good, good effort, natured, good inspiring. effort, but bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, and 65, 64 is a pretty high score for yeah. Metacritic, too, because Metacritic's usually Tend like, to skew lower. Yeah. But is it like a, is it a cable guy situation where, like, when it first came out, people trashed it and then now after the guys at 34 or something like that well now it's resurged like it was totally people yeah, i don't know if they ironically like it now yeah. from... jim carrey's my favorite actor and i've never seen cable guy probably because when it came out i just didn't want you didn't want, want your hero my... to be yeah, tainted I didn't, I didn't want him to see him being chris farley yeah because that script was originally written for chris farley oh wow yeah. i didn't realize that well, he would have been a great cable guy chris farley would have been yeah, I that mean, was even before Get Her Done. You know? Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> anyway, okay. uh, it's next film. Oh, yeah. So uh, the next film, uh, I have a story on this one, too. It's very short. 
I was hungover. I saw it in the theater. I had to leave 30 minutes in to barf. The end. Cloverfield. Um, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of drinking in, in yeah. your stories. You know, it shaky cammed me into yeah. oblivion. Oh, okay. yeah, it, it Blair Witched you into nausea. Oh, yeah. I, I had to leave Blair Witch in the last <laughs> 10 minutes to barf when I was in high school. And yeah. I wasn't, I didn't drink. You didn't drink then, then. yeah. Uh, so I like Bra- to throw Brady's, up. Yeah, Brady's, Brady's brain is at the little bone in his ear. I think it'd be fun. Um, is, Tweet is us a fond memory of vomiting. Yeah, because of, of uh, camera work. Uh, yes, and if uh, I think and if you haven't, we'll do some for you and post it on the website, and you just let us know if we're successful. I almost puked at a uh, <laughs> at a planetarium <laughs> oh. because they, and this is the thing. My boyfriend at the time, my mom and I, tell him that the planetarium at the Natural History Museum in Santa Barbara is so great, and he's gonna love it. And it used to be one of the mechanical, mm. physical ones, like, and they changed it to a projection and the guy was like the worst most stone planetarium dude ever so he's like this is venus you know so he's like what do you guys want to know and it's like dude you're the planetarium dude you're supposed to know what like you're supposed to guide us through the mysteries of the world right (laughs) and so and then at the end, he's like, well, I think this thing's pretty cool. And then he <laughs> turns it on, and it starts blasting Metallica, <laughs> Never Neverland, and spinning. He's like, if you get nauseous easily, you might not want to look. <laughs> and you you my, have Otto the Planetarium. And me and my mom are just, like, looking at each other and, like, looking at my boyfriend at the time, who's like, this is the best planetarium ever. <laughs> Aren't you? Just supposed to be making out during the planetarium shows. And my mom was there. I can't make out in front of my mom. Yeah, no, no. I can't do that to (laughs) her. Um, (laughs) So that's when I almost barfed. That's my fun almost barfing in a not a theater. Well, kind of a theater. Yeah. If I if I tried to make out with my girlfriend in front of my mom, she'd probably be like, "Rob, there's nothing in that for her." My mom would probably like slap me, not slap me like on the face, but she'd be like, like "Cut it out!" Like spanky, like, "Hey, yeah, like I don't like want to see my little girl doing to it. like an animal, yeah. you know." Stop my that. My very excellent mother just served us nine pizzas. Okay, so That's how you remember the planet? <laughs> um, <laughs> different sizes, or are all the planets the same size in your mind? Yeah. Oh, they're all the same. No, yeah. but some have pepperoni and some have some are all stuffed across <laughs> the planets. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right, Clover- okay, it's, okay. It's Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Um, I know I Brady doesn't it. like it. I saw it. Uh, I liked it. I think the critics did too, but not uh, oh, like sorry. it's cool. Uh, not a whole lot. So I'm gonna go with like 68. Okay. I'm gonna go 75. 75. Yeah. No. I. I'll go. Uh, I'll go 66. 64. <laughs> oh, that's good for you. You did 65, right? I did 75. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, shit. Are you just glad to have someone that's more terrible than you in playing? Oh, usually Tess is really bad at it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're, you're just substituting for her. For you know, her. it's one letter off. Yeah, Tess. Yeah, Jess. I wrote a song about a girl named Jess once called Jesting, and I, I joked with uh, with Tess. I'm like, well, if you want me to write another song about you, I could just sing Jesting as Testing. Yep, <laughs> you could do that. 
<laughs> okay, third camera movie is Blair Witch Project. Mm. Also made Brady vomit. Yeah. But he wasn't day drunk and he wasn't hung over. And then my father was like, I was like, well, how did it end? He's like, well, there's a guy standing in the corner. And vomiting. <laughs> 52. Uh, let me see. I just, it's bad, right? I've never seen it. Blair Witch Project? Yeah. No, it's a it's, good movie. It's bad, but I feel like it's... Uh, it's like bad in a good way. Well, yeah, it was just... It started a whole trend yeah. at that time, so... It was influential. Yeah, it was influential. It can for be the influential time. even if it's bad. Uh, that will, will that affect the trading? Okay, I'm going to go. You know, we've had two 64s in a row, so I'm just going to go with 64. <laughs> I think Jordan did really well by just guessing 72 every time. Uh-huh. He, was, he was, the, I think, the best. Nice. Or no, Brady still won somehow. Uh, no, I'll just <laughs> yeah. say for Blair Witch, it's, it's actually the inverse of the old influential thing. Because I'm always jumping on that, just like, man, like, you're only saying that movie's good because it kicked off a bunch of other movies. And in the case of Blair Witch, it kicked off a bunch of other movies that suck every available ball. Yeah. Um, and Blair Witch is, is better than any of what it inspired. Yeah. Um, I think this got pretty good reviews. I'm going to go with a... I'm going to go 77. Wow. If, if it's even on Metacritic, because this is late 90s, it might... We'll see if it's even on there. One hour photo was late 90s. I think that might have been the 2000s. The old college days. 81. Yeah. Wow. That's high. Fuck. That's really high. I'm so bad at this. It's tough. Brady, Brady pretty we much should, studies medical. Do you guys? So. <laughs> I think here's what you should do um, as a use the same numbers. And then check the Rotten Tomatoes. Ah. Well, the reason we do Metacritic is because the Adam Carolla it's podcast actu- actually does Rotten Tomatoes. The same oh, game. okay. And so, but like, see, it would be interesting I, to see if you won on the Metacritic, right. but you lose on the Rotten Tomatoes. Because yeah. I think I'm a voice of the people, and I think uh, <laughs> I would fucking kill it on the Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Well, right we, we will check that. We'll try not to waste too much airtime, but maybe okay. we'll post it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh... These next two movies I am actually quite fond of. Uh, this the first one is City of God. I'm sure which that has a really involves high. A kid who's a photographer. Uh, is that the one with the picture of him with like the gun on the cover? Uh, no, it's got the cover is like a picture of him sitting on the beach with a girl and their backs are turned mm-hmm. and she's kissing. His oh cheek. no! Yeah, I'm gonna say it. that's a ninety. Uh, City of God. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's a great movie. Uh, no. It's a really critically acclaimed movie. So I'm going to say 93, actually. 93. Sorry, I changed it. going with. All right. So I'll drop 10 points and just catch that niche. 83. <laughs> catch that niche. Catch All right. that niche. Let's. Um, I also think this got really good reviews. I'm going to go with an 87. Seventy nine. Oh wow! What the fuck? That's too low. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's it's tough with Metacritic because like if if just think about if it's a good movie, just think it's didn't like, it get the same damn score? It's like, like seventy two if it's a good movie. Like how? <laughs> Cloverfield got a sixty four. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy talk. 
Crazy man, you're crazy, crazy, crazy. All right. Uh, lastly, in America, from mm. the year 2004. Twenty-nine. Man is still alive. No, three. 2003. <laughs> um, uh, in America, is this the one about homeless people? No, or it's the one about the, uh, the family, the Irish family moving to New York in the 80s. It's 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 the, the two little girls. It's the one girl anemic. No. No. I've never They're seen just that adorable. Either. I think I'm thinking about Hidden in America. And their uh, their brother died back in Ireland, and so there's a little bit of tragedy hanging over the my family. brother died back in That's Ireland? That's like my family's actual... My mom is from England, oh. and uh, my grandparents' first son died when they lived in Ireland, and there's still a gravestone for him mm-hmm. in Ireland. Mm-hmm. He was a year old, and he died on Christmas. As opposed to... Super sadness. Sorry. Yeah. It's a couple generations. No, I'm just saying, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I never yeah, met my uncle. That's a thing It's that cool because he was a baby. Yeah. You you know, my baby's not a... My uncle's not a dead one-year-old baby. Like, that's not my uncle. Right. That, that is the worst Jerry Springer ever. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a dead one-year-old uncle, <laughs> we, we want to hear, hear from you. We're going to put you next to a Klansman and, uh, and uh, Is your uncle a ghost a transvestite baby? midget. Right? <laughs> is your uncle a ghost baby? <laughs> Please call Jerry Springer. Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> hey, who knew that the dead... Jerry, wa- my dead one-year-old <laughs> uncle didn't even come to my 15th birthday. <laughs> yeah, and he can throw a chair. <laughs> he can't throw a chair from the afterlife. I'm about ghost babies. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sorry. So what's the question? Dead babies aren't oh, funny. Uh, oh, in America. Did you take out the trash? Uh, 64. 64. Because that's apparently everything is right. 64. I'm going to go with 82. And get, get up 82. There. Get up. Get, get on up. up. I like the shit out of this movie, uh, but... But then I just got burned when I tried to like City of God, and they're yeah, like, "You play with fire, man." Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go 78. I'm getting a lot of American movies, but not in America. It's probably I'm gonna put it in quotes or something. Okay. I got Captain America. <laughs> ah, Captain in America. American Beauty, bigger shirt. I don't know if it's in here, Brady. It's totes in there. Uh, type in Jim Sheridan, and that'll. Them. How do you spell Sheridan? S H E R I D A N. Not in there. E- oh, it's I'm looking under movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jim not Sheridan, a movie the yet. movie. <laughs> Every director's dream is to eventually become a movie. <laughs> okay. Jim Sheridan, director. It's taken me to Wow shirts now, Brady. What have you done to my computer? Wow shirts. Wait, now you're in IMDb. Yeah, but I think IMDb usually lists the Metacritic score, right? Oh, do they? Okay. This is bad pod. Dead air. The pod has gone bad. 76. What? That was hard to get. Is this the right way to look at it? Here, this looks different than all the other searches I've done. Yeah, no, that looks fine. Okay. Okay, should I add these up while you guys Jesus talk? Jesus Christ. It's okay, it's okay. I mean, like, I might have caught up to Brady if I hadn't started off so poorly. But I think I think that first twenty point like or like fifty point kick did we get Mine like was kicking 36, the ball? Yeah. yeah, and I did like thirty two. Yeah. And it was like in the sixties. Mm-hmm. So that was like a thirty point handicap. Brady should just have a thirty point handicap. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I think uh, excluding that score, 
Maybe we should start changing the rules of this game a little bit. I like I like the new one with uh, if it's a bullseye, it's five five points off your eventual oh, score. Oh, that's cool. And then maybe we should start doing like seven movies and dropping the high and the low. Hmm. Okay, I have the scores. You More got the final stuff. In in third place is our honored <laughs> guest, Jess. Yep. Jess the guest with one oh two. Sweet. One oh two. Um Rob, you've got a sixty three. And I have a seventeen. So play that old song and let's dance. You get cursed either way, Brady. I know. You either get an in your face or you get a good. Like, that was a pretty good fuck you, too. Yeah, no, you sold it. It was serious. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, uh, there's an Adam Carolla thing where he's like, it's really good to have one of those chambered all the time. So just, like, you know, just have a fuck off chambered. Because if you're walking down the street and somebody goes, like, hey, man, nice face, and you're like, fuck off. If you hit it just right, like, they'll just be like, but you're, uh, you know? Yeah, you just got to hit it back fast. You just got to hit it fast and just just have it chambered. Just, like, keep your your teeth on your lower lip. What did I say City of God was? You said uh, 93. See? Are you looking up stuff on? fucking Rotten Tomatoes, it's 90 damn percent. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta get away from that tomatoes mentality. I'm the voice of the people. Tawanga is a good way to live your life, but not in the real world where there's critics. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about with Tawanda? Tawanda. Fried green tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. You gotta get out of that tomatoes mentality. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that that was such a good joke. I had to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so final points about the movie or. I don't know. See it. We've had so much fun talking about other... Yeah, see it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, see it. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. See it and then go to a bar and talk about it because people will be like, what is that? What are you talking about? And you'll and be, like, be like, oh, yeah, oh, you've, you don't seen, you've seen Hitchcock, but you haven't seen Peeping Tom. So yeah, you haven't off. seen uh, uh, Charl- Charlie Powell. Michael Powell. Michael Powell. There we go. Mm-hmm. Michael Powell Street. Powell Street. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we got to think of what to do next week. Uh, so the way we usually do this is everybody throws out a suggestion, and then if you like somebody's suggestion more than your own, you vote for it, and then that usually ends up with something with two votes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I'm hitting it. I'm hitting what I'm hitting. What I've been saying for a few weeks. The station agent yep. with yep. national treasure Peter Dinklage. Yep. Yeah, and Brady's still going with that station agent. Like, uh, I'm going. <laughs> what, what, what did you say? Like, this is how you make something a... Uh, yeah, it's precedent. A precedent, yes. Um, okay, because of the house in this movie, mm. and I really liked the way the house looked, and it totally reminded me of the house from this movie, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? Mm, that's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, it is a good movie. So, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's not a good movie. It's a really bad, campy movie. But... Not, I think it's a good movie. movie. Well, yeah, it's super camp, and it's like just really entertaining to watch. I mean, it's way over the top. I'm better. writing a letter to Daddy. Sorry, that I exactly. scared myself with that. That almost sounded like Adam Sandler. Fuck, <laughs> 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 Daddy! Like that's totally Daddy. Um, should I throw one out yeah. too? Yeah, please do. Okay. How about 
blah 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 blah. I gotta come up with something. Yeah, they see what any, kind of movie? Any any, any movie. Kind, we watch good movie. ones. We watch bad ones. We okay. watch we watched Page Master last week. Which it was is terrible. Fucking horrible. Really? Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, you made yourself watch it. it. Uh, um, Tess keeps wanting to watch All Dogs Go to Heaven. Though. Oh, that's such a good movie. Um, so you probably haven't seen this. So I'm gonna say it. Peter Dinklage is in it. It's a minor character, but it's great. Uh, mm. It's a movie called The Baxter. Have you guys seen it? Uh-uh. It's a romantic comedy, but it's like the best one you've ever seen. It's written, directed, and starring Michael Showalter from uh, Stella. Classic comedy trio. Michael Ian Black's also in it. David Wayne is in it. Uh, Michelle Williams. Uh, Elizabeth Banks. Justin Theroux, Peter Dinklage plays a gay wedding planner, and you guys should watch that. Cool. Okay, just to torture Brady, I'm going to vote for that. <laughs> you get your right, Dinklage, so what, but you won't get your... What uh, happens if I then vote... What did, well, hold on. I, I have to think strategically about Peter Dinklage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, trying to give you your Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I appreciate you can either it. get your I'm Peter Dinklage or you can call us a stalemate and then she might be able to break it if she wants. Exactly. I, all I can do is submit to the guest. Uh, submit to the guest. Submit. All right. So I'll, okay, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, I'll vote Baby Jane mm-hmm. and pass it to Jess. Uh, now Jess has to vote between what she suggested or what I suggested or you can pick station agent and we'll have to do like a <laughs> even to odds like one two three throw thing or something I'm gonna go with what I said the Baxter, right. Baxter not enough people is. have seen it it needs to be the word How do you needs spell to be it spread for when I'm searching for it uh, Baxter like B-A-C-K-S-T-E-R B-A-X-T-E-R B-A-X-T-E-R oh Baxter like how a normal person would spell it not a Baxter are you thinking of like Napster no I was thinking like a back you know like like the Baxter is this guy who walks almost, around and punches people in the back. I almost named my cat Baxter <laughs> instead of Cosby, which I wish I had now. Uh, yeah, I'm sure because you do. I named my cat I almost after named my a rapist cat OJ. nine years ago. Yeah, I almost named my cat OJ in 1992. What? Almost. Oh, man, so you're better off being than Tigger. me. Yeah. Okay, that's a lot better than OJ. Close call. Close call. The Baxter, that sounds like, like a... QVC special backpack that they sell, yeah. but it's just a normal backpack. With a, does this happen to you with your books? <laughs> it's and like then the some dramatic... guy who can't manage like to open a pocket. It's just like and books it, just falling out. Like just like, the, like the Pert Plus guy is like two bottles. Oh my god! Yeah, totally. oh, sorry. It's just a backpack that wraps around your entire body. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you walk around with a sleeping like you're inside the backpack. Mm-hmm. Just a, a lot of pockets. Get the Baxter. Your books will be in your face and you'll be able to read them as you walk. You might walk <laughs> into a pool, but it's heavily padded, so it'll be okay. Ridiculous. <laughs> awesome. All right. Good cast, guys. Uh, anything left to say? Uh no, let me see. Uh, Thank you for having uh, me. Name somebody from Mizzo. From Mizzo? Yeah. Um just like any person. Yeah, somebody we know. I'm going to shout their name before I say theme song so I can tag them in the post and be like, you were mentioned, and it's always at the end. Uh-huh. So they're always like, when was I mentioned? When was I mentioned? And I have to listen to the whole cast. The whole thing. Uh, <laughs> so I, so I drum George. up people to listen to us once but never hear it George again. Nace. <laughs> All right, I will. Bumble. Um, so anyway, yes, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. It was Thank great. Thank you so much. Woo. Yeah. My first time on podcast. Well, come on any other time you want to. Sweet. And... Three, two, one, George Nace theme song. <laughs> <laughs>
Carnivorous couch Shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob